This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Late Boomers, our podcast guide to creating your third act with style, power, and impact. Hi, I'm Kathy Worthington. And I'm Mary Elkins. Join us as we bring you conversations with successful entrepreneurs, entertainers, and people with vision who are making a difference in the world. Everyone has a story, and we'll take you along for the ride on each interview, recounting the journey our guests have taken to get where they are, inspiring you to create your own path to success. Let's get started. I'm Kathy Worthington. Welcome to our latest episode of Late Boomers. Today we have a special guest, Dale L. Roberts, a best-selling, award-winning author and self-publishing expert and video content creator. He has coached and consulted with hundreds of aspiring writers. And I'm Mary Elkins. If you've ever started your great American novel or wondered how to publish what you've written and didn't know where to turn, We're going to get some great tips from Dale today. Welcome, Dale. Thank you so much. You know, it's great. We've already been chatting for about 10 minutes prior to hitting the record button. So (laughs) this is fantastic to see how you guys gel so well. So I'm just geeked up to be here on the podcast. (laughs) Thank you. Great to have you. We always like to ask our guests how they got started on the path they find themselves on today. So what is your background and training? It's a really funny story. I actually, I was for about 20 years in the healthcare industry. I used to work as an activities director, which means I was paid to play with senior citizens. Yes. No, no jokes. I literally would play bingo with them, take them out to the mall. We would go to movies. We would go out to eat, things like that. I got to do that for a living. But um, at one point, my corporate wellness coach, uh, she used to have monthly meetups with me. She would always like challenge me to physical challenges and, and challenge me to eat better, things like that. And she was like, man, you're just kind of a tough nut to crack. Like what gives, like what, what is something that I can really challenge you on? And uh, at one point or another, she's like, you're so passionate about health and fitness. Why don't you write a book about it? And I'm like, you know what? I will. And it took about a year for me to put together this 44,000 word manuscript, which was by the way, hammered garbage. But I'm sure we'll expand into that somewhere or another. And when I had released this book, it was actually March of 2014. My first month, I made a whopping $23 and some odd cents. I always forget how much that was, but it was $23. I all of a sudden said, wow, wait, what happens if I focus on this full time? What if I actually became an author and did this and could be able to live life on my own terms, spend time with my wife and my cat? And this was really important to me. So you guys aren't going to believe this, but I went ahead. I called up corporate because I was working with them at this, this specific organization. And I got a hold of my boss and said, 30 days, guys, I'm leaving. They were like, you know, you only need two weeks, right? And I'm like, just 30 days. I was like, I want you guys to find a really good candidate to fill my spot. I will tell you that I had nothing more than just a couple of meager paychecks that came in. And before I decided, let's burn the boats, let's do this. Mm. Now, I'll tell you reality shock here. Anybody that's listening to this podcast, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a good reason why my, my, my voice breaks like I'm a teenager all over again, because 
it was a tough two years after that. Uh, I burnt through my 401k. I burnt through all of my savings. I maxed out every single credit card. And I swear to you, it was about roughly a year and a half before I saw the levy break to where everything started coming into place. And I started to make a living as an author. And it was really weird to me because at that point, I'd almost gotten myself resolved to like, well, I better go back and ask for my job. Um, But thankfully, for whatever reason, all that hard work paid off. It was January 2016. I remember to this day that all of a sudden, I'm just looking at my paychecks. It was no longer $23 paychecks. It was enough to put food on the table, enough to pay those bills that were past due, things like that. Um, So that is really my whole story in a nutshell, how I got into this business. That's quite a risk you took. And talking about diving in, let's delve right in and ask you where the best, what are the best first steps to publishing a book? Write the book. (laughs) It sounds crazy, but here's the thing is I have so often where people will come to me and say, Hey, um, you know, I got this great book idea. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to publish it. X, Y, Z. I'm like, okay, did you get your first draft done? No, no, no. It's, It's all up here. Folks, guess what? If I could monetize all of the books that are in my head, I would be a trillionaire Sit yeah. down Elon Musk because I would have you toppled like at this point. <laughs> but, you know, uh, that's the thing. The hardest part, especially if you're new to this business of publishing books, is writing your first draft. Getting that first draft done is the hardest thing possible. Um, as soon as you get past that, everything else falls into place. Now, there's going to be some people they will go and watch one of my videos or hear one of my podcasts and go, Wait a second. You said the hardest part is marketing. Yeah, but newbies don't need to know that. You really need to get it to where you understand that the best first step is writing the manuscript. Everything else after that, don't worry about it. It will all fall into place as it should. Is there a way to do it on a budget? Oh, absolutely. Good friend of mine, Keith Wheeler. You guys got to get a hold of him. Keith Wheeler Books, he's got a YouTube channel. He was one of my former clients and a good friend of mine. Keith is, oh gosh, the thriftiest guy I know. That's, you know what? Actually, let's, let's not even sugarcoat this. He's cheap. The man is cheap. <laughs> Here's the thing. He managed to land a traditional publishing deal on a book he spent no money on. He didn't spend money for the illustrators, which it was a kid's book, by the way. He didn't pay any money for the formatting. He was able to just get this launched and traditional publishing companies saw it. They courted him. He didn't court them. They came and courted him. They managed to buy the rights to his print book and his ebook. He kept the rights to his audiobook because he knew that audiobooks are on the rise right now. And he was like, no, you can't touch my audiobook rights but you can have the print book rights and the ebook rights. And so he gets a smaller royalty than say, if he were to do it on his own, but the, here's the cool thing. He'd worked out the illustrator in a 50, 50 split. And he said to the illustrator, look, I'll do something with you. All right. But I'm going to pay you just a little bit above what you're going to want, but it's going to come in as the royalties come in. This illustrator was like, great. That's awesome. Trad pub company comes in. They want to buy the rights. He says, you know what? Ah, I got a small problem. I have a 50, 50 split with this illustrator. Can you pay him the rest of this? They go ahead and they pay for it. So he then owns the rights outright, 
gets it on over to the Trad Pub Company, and the rest is history. So I wanted to share kind of that story in that you don't have to necessarily always have to spend money. In some instances, you don't even have to be as, you know, what, what Keith's doing, relying on a Trad Pub deal or something else like that. If you have the time to put in the sweat equity, then you can certainly be able to publish a free book. I've got numerous case studies I've done with some free books that I've done myself. Uh, let's see here. Hang on. Great example would be, I did a children's book series. I've done many books. And the children's book series, I did all the graphic design myself. I did all the illustrations, these little chimpanzees that I was able to make with a open source software called GIMP. I did it all on, yeah, GIMP. It's uh, G-I-M-P, stands for GNU Image Manipulation Program. It's open source, meaning it's 100% free. It's like Photoshop, but it's free. And there's a steep learning curve, but as soon as you can kind of get over that steep learning curve, doing graphic design like that is rather simple. Now, for those of you out there, they're like, you know, that's all well and good, Dale, but what if I want to write my romance short story? Yeah. Great. You will probably only need to worry about focusing on getting the manuscript done, getting it edited. And sometimes like, okay, editing might cost money. Yes. A good editor does cost money. However, I've known many people that will reach within their own personal network, their professional network and say, Hey, could you go through and pick this apart? Is it my preferred way of recommending people do things? No. But when you're working with $0, you got to kind of take what you can get. As you start to see some type of traction in your sales, take that and reinvest it back into the book. It could be taking the manuscript, finding a professional editor to go and edit the book, or getting the book cover done by a professional book cover designer, things like that. So Mm -hmm. is it okay to write and publish a book for free? Absolutely. I never want to demonize the entry point in which people go into self-publishing. And there's many people that are able to make it work on a free budget, if you will. And then there's other people that will spend tens of thousands of dollars. I like to find a good mix because investing five figures into a book that hasn't even been a proven commodity, it's very risky. It's almost Mm -hmm. as risky as going to the local casino, dropping all your money on Black 13. I've done that before. And and hoping for the best. You know, okay, all right, we're going to go through all my OCD things. Here we go. We're going to tap four or five times and hopefully this will come through. I'm sorry, this really is real, by the way. Um, yeah. So um, yeah. yeah, it this is a great question. And I really hope that everybody out there understands that you don't need to go into debt in order to actually write and publish what's on your heart and in your mind. I'm That's sure you great. could do a whole podcast on that. Easily. Yeah. <laughs> Easily. And you've published a ton of workout program books. So how did you get started in fitness? Ah, yeah. So there was a cup of coffee uh, during my 20-year tenure of working in the healthcare industry that I took a break and I actually got into personal training at a local gym. I did that for about four and a half years. And um, the reason I did it was, well, I was passionate about it. I, um, how I fell into it's a little bit, it's a little bit of a weird backstory. I got into professional wrestling, never got into professional wrestling as a kid. My mom used to use the F word. She's like, that's fake. And I was just like, okay, well, I don't need to watch it if it's fake. Right. So In my mid-20s, I just became enamored with it. I was like, oh my gosh, I love the athleticism. I knew that the whole thing was prescripted. And I'm like, I want to do that. I want to be like those guys. 
So you're talking about a guy that was 155 pounds soaking wet with bricks in my pockets and <laughs> mind you six foot two frame. So I was a bit lanky, you know, uh, and I got into the gym and hit it hard and I was able to get myself up to about 200 pounds. And at one point, I think I peaked at about 223 pounds when I was actually a pro wrestler. Of pure muscle. Right. Well, eh, yeah, not perfect, but it was definitely, I, I was a force to be reckoned with. And the issue of working with healthcare industry and doing pro wrestling, it's hard to explain a black eye or that you're limping at the healthcare community because they're like, <laughs> What, what are you okay? Did you get beat up? And I'm like, no, I, I was in a pro wrestling match and someone, I thought that was fake. How did you get a black eye? And it, so I knew I had to make that transition over to doing personal training because we had more flexible hours that I could go out on the road, hit some shows, wrestle, come back home, train some clients, rinse and repeat. And I did that for a while there. Um, mm -hmm. And it treated me really well. But as pro wrestling kind of sunsetted because my body just couldn't keep up with it. The personal training had remained and I found myself kind of, I don't know, aloof, kind of feeling complacent. I was like, why am I still here? And that's when I ended up transitioning back into the healthcare industry. And I was like, Oh, this is it. I love this job. But I'm like, it's way better than personal training. Nobody gripes at you for having a bingo session. Nobody's angry when you bring a stack of books to them. You know, it, there was so much that I enjoyed about being an activities director, but that's the long story of how I ended up doing all these workout programs because I literally have, oh, let's see here. So most of them are delisted because I just pulled them for quality reasons. I was like, ah, I really don't like it. But I had about 41 different books on health and fitness at one point or another. Wow. And wow. why it was easy for me to do it. The programs were already written. I already had all these programs on a little thumb drive of thousands of workouts that I could just go in, pull from. And all I had to do was go in and explain the whole thing. So I think a lot of people see what I've done. They go, oh, I'm going to go ahead and publish 40 books over the next two years. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, but I had all the groundwork laid and I had the foundation set up. So writing the, the manuscripts was easy. The first manuscript was hard only because I never did it before. Yes. Yeah. Were they mainly books about um, for seniors as far I've, as health and fitness? Oh, yes. Yeah, this is where I'm going to shock you guys. Yes. Actually, not mainly. There was about, let's see here two manuscripts that I did one. There was one that was called the home workout plan for seniors. And that's actually still on the market to this day. And it was actually a routine I used to do with the senior citizens with their chair exercises. By the way, they uh -huh. hated it when I would plug in a DVD player. They, they were like, oh, I put in the DVD and they're like, oh, I'm like, and I knew my boss at the time was, was always about bragging. He's like, oh, he's a certified personal trainer. He loves what he did. I used to love it too. But the thing is, is after I was done with the session, I'm sitting here drenched in sweat, dressed, you know, to the tens, you know, because I always like to have like a nice tie, a suit and everything else like that. So I'm like just sweaty, just smelling bad. And I'm like, I have to do the rest of the day like this. But the seniors used to love it. But yes, I ha have a cheer exercise program. But for the most part, my fitness books were more geared towards, um, I would say, anybody between the ages of, say, 24 and 55. Um, because that was usually the clientele that I was working with. What would you say is the best self-publishing platform today? Hands down, Kindle Direct Publishing. 
Ken. Um, I, I honestly, and you'll hear it called as KDP for short, but it is an Amazon owned company, obviously with the name Kindle in it. Uh It is the path of least resistance because there is so much information out there that if you want to learn how to do it, all you got to do is just Google it up, look it up on YouTube. And even Amazon KDP has their own course called jumpstart hundred percent free. They show you how to do eBooks and print books. And you can't beat that. And I've gone through the course. It's solid for anybody that's brand new to the business. Great first step. But Kindle Direct Publishing is the path of least resistance because you get served out to 13 different avenues on Amazon. So Amazon.com, Amazon.co.uk, Australia, Brazil, all those different areas. And then print has, uh, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting this number off the top of my head. Print distribution, I believe, is seven or eight different uh, avenues. And it seems like they're trying to expand that out more globally, but it's hard, especially in the position that we are right now with the, the way the world is, the uh, yeah. shortage and supplies and such like that. So, but the fact that you can go onto Amazon, publish through KDP, 100% free. Remember that free? We were talking about that, mm. you and me, Mary. It's 100% free. Like, well, this is a no brainer. You get to put your title on one of the most widely used online retail platforms. In fact, and I'm sorry to be anecdotal, I can't be able to give you guys a source at this point, over 60% of global publication profits are derived from sales through Amazon. Wow. Crazy, right? Six out of 10 people are buying their books there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, are there... Are there any other places that you might recommend for authors to publish their own books? Hmm. There are so many. Uh, off the top of my head, I think the next best step would be Ingram Spark. Ingram Spark's got a, a, a steeper learning curve. It's a little bit tougher to kind of get through. And there is a barrier of entry in that you have to pay for uploads. Um, Can you spell that for our listeners? That's spelled I-N-G-R-A-M Spark. S-P-A-R-K. And it's all one word, Ingram Spark. It's not plural. It's all one word, Ingram Spark. Because I hear some people say Ingram Sparks. And I'm like, nope, there's only one spark. That's it. Uh, But (laughs) Ingram Spark is fantastic. Now, if for some reason you want to skip Ingram Spark and you say, no, Dale, I don't want to do that, but I still want to get the distribution. The good news is when you distribute your print book through KDP, they have an option called expanded distribution. I don't hear enough of these overnight experts pretty much talking about expanded distribution. Expanded distribution allows you to get a smaller royalty. Not Now, it doesn't take away from your royalty on Amazon's platform, but it gives you a smaller royalty to get distribution through Ingram's content uh, distribution. Ingram Content Group is owned by, of course, or owns Ingram Spark. Now, mm-hmm. you get better royalty if you go directly to Ingram Spark, but I tell people if you don't want to deal with having to pay upload fees like you have to on Ingram Spark, then KDP is going to definitely be the way to go. But Ingram Spark is definitely the next best option. Uh, what I would recommend, I know some people are probably looking for a good nugget here. The best nugget I can give you is do not avoid downloadable audiobooks. Downloadable audiobooks is on the rise right now. And I speculated this time, some time ago, I said, audiobook sales are going to eclipse ebook sales. It's going to take over. Will it eclipse the physical, the print book versions? Eh, remains to be seen, but I know for sure it's going to outsell not only by units, but also by publication profits. And 
And I'm, I'm starting to get more experts. They're saying the same thing. I'm not sure if they're listening to me or they're parroting me. I'm not really sure, but I've seen some resources that I don't, that we have no relationship whatsoever. Now you're probably saying, okay, how do I get started on downloadable audiobooks? It's just as simple as going to Amazon's other platform called Audiobook Creation Exchange and another one that's actually based here in Ohio called Find Away Voices. <laughs> Find Away is all one word, voices. Uh, those two different distribution avenues are going to get you to Amazon, libraries, Apple, all these different avenues. Let's that's back great. up just let's back would- up just a second with your your podcast. Do you guys reach Spotify at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we can all agree. Spotify is a force to be reckoned with. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Spotify just bought Findaway Voices this past week. Oh. Huge. It's big. Like Spotify said, oh, we're doing audiobooks. And some people were like, yeah, whatever. We, you know, whatever. They came over and they picked up Findaway Voices. That was their way of saying, oh, you aren't listening to me. We are going to be doing audiobooks. And this Uh was huge, huge, huge. Now with audiobooks, it's a little tougher because you have to hire narrators. But again, if you go to those two platforms, they have many tutorials that'll be able to walk you through the whole process. Mm-hmm. And what would you say are the three biggest mistakes people make getting into self-publishing? Ooh, three biggest ones. I like to mix this up because I like to, since I'm on so many different interviews and podcasts, I'm going to give you yeah. three different mistakes than I normally would say. One of the biz- biggest mistakes I see is expectations are sometimes way above the reality of the situation. Yeah. I think many people will watch a YouTube video where they have an interview with this guy. That's like, yeah, I made $10,000 in my first 30 days. And all I had to do is these short books. Yeah. That guy (laughs) is what we call a unicorn or a liar. One of the two Mm -hmm. unicorns in the business are very rare. There are some people out there that honestly, they could just smear poop on a paper and they sell money like they're getting or selling books hand over fist they're getting tons of money for it but the vast majority of people who break into this business honestly they have such an inflated idea of how they're going to perform in this business that unfortunately it gets in their way they don't realize that their baby's ugly it's (laughs) there's no other way to put it like sometimes because you you're, you're so deeply in love with this thing it's your passion you should love this But every now and then what ends up happening is the ego gets in the way, kind of like what it did for me when I left my job. My expectations were way above the reality of the situation. And I learned really hard that, yeah, you got to kind of find that mix. So just drop your expectations just a little bit. Go into it with something a bit more realistic. Now, I'm not trying to say that you can't make $10,000 in the first 30 days. That'd be fantastic. The vast majority of people, 99.99999% of people do not see that type of results immediately, sometimes, if ever. I've met some people that have been in this business longer than me that have not even made the same amount within a year that I would make in, say, one month. It's, it's crazy because results will vary. The second mistake would be not getting good enough editors. You got to get some good editors. You need to be picking this apart every little aspect that you're doing it. And I'm not just talking, you get Grammarly or pro writing aid, or you reach out to your mom and you have them edit it. That's fantastic. You know, all those things are going to cumulatively add up. I'm sorry. I usually, I can say cumulatively. It's easy for me to say Uh Uh, all of it adds up, you know, but 
you're going to want to make sure that this is really a deep dive. So let me give you a little bit of a tip. This is a really just an overhead view of how I edit. What I'll do is I'll finish my manuscript. Anytime I'm writing my first draft, I allow it to be the worst draft. Never worry about it. As I'm typing, I'm getting it out. Don't worry about my inner editor. He's off. I tell him, go have a couple drinks to the local bar. We're going to go ahead and work this thing out. And I will go through that first draft. Mistakes, typos and all, I'll leave it there. When it's done, I will go through what I call quick edits. I'll use a tool like Pro Writing Aid and I'll go through and do all like the very fast like things like typos, um, passive sentence structures, things like that. And then I'll take it and I'll put it through Microsoft Editor. I'll go ahead and use their recommendations. And then the third pass, I will typically go ahead and I will do text to voice. And you can actually have that in certain programs. I think Pages has it uh, on Mac and Microsoft Word for sure has it. Listen to it. Don't read along with it. Because the problem is we have bias on our baby. We think our baby's beautiful. Like, yeah, of course it's beautiful. We'll sit here and read it 50 times and, and still be like, won't see a single mistake. But then you turn that on, you listen, you'll go, oh yeah, oh, that's bad. I'm missing a word here. Or that doesn't sound right whatsoever. Those three <laughs> edits is what I'm going to end up going through before I send it over to a professional editor. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you're doing the free advice. option. Yeah, thank you so much. Third mistake, I'm going to make this one simple, but since I've made these ones so long, third mistake is marketing. I, I have to, this, I think I answer this every single time when it comes to the three mistakes, marketing and promotion, just because you wrote a book doesn't mean people know about it. And you could sit there and shout it from the top of the mountains and you swear to yourself, everyone knows I've published a book. What gives? No one's buying you're going to have to say it 50,000 times. You're going to need to be your biggest ambassador for your book indefinitely. If you want to see this book on more shelves and more hands distributed worldwide, you're going to need to actually put in the work, show up on interviews and podcasts, do guest blog posts, uh, reach out to local media, uh, start a YouTube channel and share it. You're going to have to keep telling people. I can't tell you, like right now, I've actually had these books about Amazon self-publishing for over a year. And still people come to me and they go, oh, you've got a book on self-publishing? I thought you did just fitness. I'm like, no, there, there's a book about self-publishing. And this just kind of goes to show. And especially since I've got a YouTube following of nearly 60,000 subscribers, you would think those 60,000 people would all know. Nope. Some of them are still discovering it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, what what would you say are the keys then to making living as a making a living as an author? And can you talk about monetizing your brand as an entrepreneur? Ooh, this is my favorite question. <laughs> this is my favorite. <laughs> Bravo! One. I, I love this. Um, I think a lot of people that get into the business of writing and publishing they think to themselves, "I am a writer. That's all I do." And that's great. I love all of you folks out there that do it for the craft of writing. That is commendable. But again, you remember the whole expectations and reality situation? You know, well, we got to kind of balance that out. So if we're only, say, pulling in $100 per month in book sales, what are we going to do to pay the bills? You know, we're going to have to probably pick up another job or just a big or think about this and how you could be able to monetize in so many different ways. If you're a nonfiction author, oh, this is easy. Hold my beer. Hold my beer because this is the part that I love talking about. So if you're a nonfiction author, you have the greatest ability 
to affect someone's life in a very positive manner. So one of the greatest ways to do that is you already have your book. Within the content of that book, you should be promoting some type of products or services that are related to the niche that you publish within. So let's just say that I am a woodworker. I put out a book on woodworking. Naturally, I'm probably going to give you some recommendations on chisels and tools and all those type of things that I have no idea about, by the way. And in those specific referrals, I will be involved in what's called affiliate marketing. Affiliate marketing essentially is where you like a brand service or product, you contact that company, and anytime you send a customer, a paying customer to them, they will pay you a certain percentage of all of the sales. Mm -hmm. This doesn't affect your customer. So in other words, I send you over to buy this chisel on Amazon, we'll say, and you buy that. The price doesn't increase for the customer. What happens is the bottom line comes from Amazon, we'll say, for instance, they give me 4% for every chisel sold or something like that. So affiliate marketing is one way to do it. Um, it's a little tougher if you're a fiction author. Obviously, you can't just be like, hey, go buy this chisel or something else like that. Um, so that's why I say nonfiction authors, you guys got it made. Like fiction authors, it's a little tougher. Can you do affiliate marketing? Yes, but you're going to have to connect the dots in a certain way. Look, so for instance, anytime that you're, and this goes for nonfiction and fiction, when you're sending people over to buy your book, don't just send them to the specific link. Because yeah, you'll make a sale, but if you do it through an affiliate marketing link of some sort, you'll get furthermore a percentage of all sales. So the Amazon Associates program is a great example of doing this. You'll get 4% more for every sale. So as an example, eBooks, you can get 70% or as low as 35%, but we'll just give the best case scenario. You get 70% of every sale. Then if you send people through your affiliate link, you get an additional 4%. So this starts to add up. Sure, maybe we're stacking pennies. Trust me, hang with me because there's a couple other monetization op options here that I want to discuss. Let's look at courses and coaching and consulting. Now, fiction authors are probably going, oh, no, there's no way I could do courses. Uh, yeah, there is totally a way. Because if you're a fiction author, I want to consume the content. I want to figure out your creative process so I can be a fiction author as well. Or something like a mini course of some sort to where you share the ideas behind plot development, character development, things like that. That's going to be big. Does it remove you from the fiction aspect of things? Yes. But the nice thing is you're not having to do much more work. And here's the cool thing. You might be making a sale, let's say $5 per book. You're getting $5 per book. Let's just say that you've got a course link within your book somewhere. Like, go check out my course. You're going to learn how to give back rubs in a mall, something like that. And <laughs> so they go ahead and they click on that link and they go and buy your course that could be, say, $50 or $500 or $2,000. I don't, hopefully, nobody's buying a course to do mall back rubs for $2,000, but you get the idea. <laughs> that right there is really nice. But to step that up a little bit further, some people want one-on-one -on -one guidance, one-on-one -on -one attention, and that's when you're going to charge a premium. This is going to be the top dollar. Don't just start going like, oh, well, you know, I get paid at my job $20 per hour, so I'm just going to charge this person $20. Uh -uh. No, because it's going to take you away from your normal work. 
and take you away from your normal duties. And you're having to pour into that person all the things that you learned and curated with years of experience. So when I say coaching and consulting, you're talking hundreds to even thousands. I've actually got some of my peers and contemporaries that charge like $1,000 per meeting. But the thing is, there's people that are willing and able to do that. There is a market for that. Last but not least, because I can keep going on about monetization, <laughs> um, tap in to one of the biggest, most used search engines in the world being Google, otherwise leaning in towards YouTube. So it's the second biggest technically. YouTube is huge. Anybody might tell you that YouTube saturated is probably jaded and don't know any different because I've already set up and monetized three different YouTube channels that pulls me in a nice amount of revenue. And anytime I get ready to launch a book, guess what? I get to go ahead and launch a video where I talk about whatever it is, X, Y, and Z. Oh, by the way, go check out my book. Boom, making sales. But here's the cool thing. YouTube's got the YouTube partner program. You can run ads before, during, or after your video. And they pay you for that. And you can make a substantial amount of, in of income doing that. But those are just a few ways to, to monetize your brand. There's so many more. Literally, we could fill three hours of me gushing about all the different ways you can do it. Think outside the box. You're not just an author. You're an online entrepreneur. Because when you can embrace that and not just kind of pigeonhole yourself as an author, you'll discover that there's so much more open to you. You touched on the answer to my next question a little bit, but you talk about, in quotes, broadcasting your book through live video, Oh, How does that work? <laughs> That's a really good one. I think you uh, might've stumbled over my Restream series. Uh, big shout out to the folks over at Restream. They're not paying me to say this by, by all means. <laughs> um, any rate, um, this is where you bring your audience, your tribe along with you for the ride. So there's different platforms. You can look at Restream, StreamYard's another one, Melon. There's so many different live streaming aspects that you can go tap into. Um, when you go live, you actually write the entire book in front of everybody. Now, there's probably gonna be somebody, oh my gosh, but what if somebody steals my book? Um, you literally copyright your book the moment you do your first keystroke. So not only are you having a timestamp on say your Microsoft document, you also have proof through video that you have the copyright. And hopefully when you go publish, you can always copyright your book as well, just to kind of tie up any kind of loose ends. I will tell you, I have a number of peers that have done this with great success. People will show up and they write along with you. That's the fun part is they will write their book with you. Cause you go, okay, we're gonna go ahead and do some writing sprints. I did that all this last month, by the way, every single weekday. And I would have on a regular basis, about a dozen people that would show up because they wanted to write their book along with me. Some of them were just voyeurs. They would just kind of sit back and they were like, they would watch me like type because I had had the manuscript on screen. Now, in the instance that you feel self-conscious and you don't want people like looking at your stuff, totally cool. You can keep your manuscript off the screen and just chat with people. You're going to be typing on along, do some sprints. Oh, someone came in. Hey, how's it going there, Mary? How are you doing? Fantastic. Okay, good. Hey, Kathy, what you been up to? That type of a thing. Um, but that is one of the things I see. It's really on the rise right now. 
Uh, have Dale, you any... what does that look like? Does it is it people sit around together or they're on Zoom or what does that look like? They're just normal viewers. So it's not like, say, our Zoom session here where you two are just hanging out with me, although we could do that technically if we wanted to. But if you wanted to go solo, you would broadcast to, say, YouTube or a platform like Twitch. And all they're doing is from the comforts of their home, they turn on their video, they open up their document creation software, and they start writing along with you. Hmm. Pretty neat, right? Mary, that's perfect for you. I think you should look into that for yeah. sure. Yeah, I'll you have know. to talk to you later it's, about it's that. It's just a step up from the writers groups that all, a lot of writers have already. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, it, it grows, a, it grows a, an amazing sense of community. Yeah. Uh, I can't tell you how many times some people were just gushing. They were like, Dale, we can't thank you enough for doing these writing sprints. These are fantastic. I just finished my manuscript. Do you feel good? You not only did something for yourself, but you helped motivate and inspire somebody else. To me, I am always of the belief that any movement that I do, I want to inspire and motivate people. And I hope that it has a rippling effect across their own individual community. And they start to pay that forward. Yes, yeah. good. Well, now, is this the way you repurpose video into books? You can repurpose videos into books. I, I love that. So if you are the type of person, you're a horrible typer. Let's say you just use your four fingers to try to feel your way around. See, I'm a touch typer. I, I, there was, this was still when typewriters were inside schools here, guys. Mm -hmm. Go figure the year I graduate in 1994. They got the first computer at the lab, but that's all besides the point. But I learned how to do touch typing, but there's a lot of people out there that don't. And of course, if you're not wanting to put in that time, or let's say you're a great speaker, doing it through video is one of the best ways to do it. So let's just say, for instance, you're like, okay, I want to write a book. I don't have the time to sit down and type it, but I can speak really well. Great. What you're going to do is write out an outline of some sort. Put in all the different bumpers that you need to, like, you know, like when you go bowling, you got the bumpers that are coming up there. So it keeps you in, in the lane there. So that way you can hopefully get a strike. That outline is going to be what you're going to follow along to as you're talking and doing this through video. Once that video is done, you then can go ahead and get it transcribed in a number of ways. Either A, you can get auto captions, like YouTube has it, Facebook has it, number of places. And sometimes it's a little sketchy. So if you're like, ah, I don't know, there's no punctuation, things like that's going to require a lot of editing. Totally fine. There's other companies out there uh, called like Rev, R-E-V. Rev.com is fantastic. Not paying me to say this. I use them a lot. I've sunk a lot of money into them. They are really good. They are 99% accurate. <laughs> and I'll tell you, there was only one time I've ever found that they were inaccurate. And I think they cost about $1.25 per minute. Uh, so if you've got a 60 minute video, it's going to definitely be about 60 bucks plus, uh, you know, the extra 25%. But um, there's also other so services out there. I've never used this one myself. Otter.ai, I think is the name of the company. Yeah, I think they're like, that. yeah, I think they're like 25 cents per minute or something. It's a lot cheaper. Um, I've just relied on Rev all these years because, well, they've, they've done me right. And I'm like, ah, I'm not going to go and try to cheap out at this point. There's many ways you can kind of get this transcribed or as a minimum, there are a number of transcriptionists over on a platform called Fiverr. And you can just mm -hmm. go ahead, look it up. They will transcribe your, your video. And all you got to do is just sit on over there and then you get the transcript. Boom. There's your book. 
go through the whole editing process like you would for a normal thing and you're ready to rock and roll. I love that question, by the way. I'm not sure if I gave you guys that one or you gave that one to me. My favorite one, because there's so Mm. many people that are frustrated that they can't write a book because they're like, there's no way I'll ever be able to write a book because I don't know how to type. And I'm like, "Hmm, Mm. there is. That is really clever. Yeah. I love that answer. And you You touched on, yeah. Hang on. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. I get so excited about this. This is a great example. My friend Ross Brand actually put out a book called 100 Live Streaming and Digital Media Predictions. This entire book was put together because he actually did a live conference. He had all these guest speakers come in and all he had to do is transcribe the entire thing. He became not only a number one bestseller on Amazon and not just in some obscure categories or anything else like that. We're talking top of the categories. It also became a two-time award-winning book. Wow. This right here is proof. It can say be it, done. Say it again, because of course our listeners cannot oh, they see, can't that. see that. Yeah. yeah. So 100 live streaming and digital media predictions. And the gentleman's name is Ross Brand, like brand new. Sounds great. Yeah. Ross is just a gem of a guy. I know he'd reached out to me back when he was considering this idea. And he's like, oh, do you think anybody would like that? And I'm like, absolutely do it. And here's the thing that he was concerned about. And this is a great concern to have is, well, what if somebody already watched those videos? And I was like, ooh, good point. I said, is there any way that you can put bonus content into there? Is there any way you could put images or graphics they wouldn't otherwise get somewhere else? And he's like, yeah, because at that time he'd only had, I don't know, 60 or 70 speakers on that specific conference. So he was able to fill it out with even more to get himself up to 100 predictions as opposed to, say, 75 predictions. So it made Uh it for a nice rounded out thing. So no one's going to be able to see all of that content. He made it unique. So even if someone went to his conference, they still stand something to gain in picking up the print version of his book or the ebook. That's good. And you have mentioned that audiobooks are going to eventually eclipse ebooks. Mm-hmm. And have you done some of your books as audiobooks? Absolutely. And you have fact, a great voice. Have you ever narrated it yourself? I, I have. I have actually uh, oh. for the fitness books. I ended up hiring out on that one because at the time I was really cash strapped and I couldn't afford to go and get it done myself. Uh, you fast forward to last year. I reached out to a local studio here in Columbus and found out that he was charging $50 per hour to come in and do uh, audio. And I'm like, done, let's do it. And I came in and I banged out the Amazon self-publisher series. That is my collection of books where I talk about publishing on Amazon and such. And uh, it was an interesting process. I will tell you, one of the things I learned the hard way is don't sit and try to read the entire book in one sitting because you're going to die after a while. Like maybe take about an hour to two hours at a time. Two hours will probably be my limit from now on because otherwise you're going to even, this is a little bit of a nugget. Anybody who goes and listens to any of my books, my book called promotional strategies for books. um, This right here, that is a gosh, almost 40,000 word manuscript. And I sat down and I read that thing over the course of six hours you could hear the fatigue in my voice as the, as oh, the audio book goes on. Oh, your voice will give out. Anybody's oh, voice will give out. Yeah. yeah. And even, even the engineer was like, you sure you don't want to take a break? And I'm like, no, no, we're good. Let's go ahead and push through. And then when I, I listen to the like stuff, I'm like, eh, it's not horrible, but I can hear it where it's just like, you know, almost like you, when you're at a, I don't know, at a, at a concert 
and you're talking to a friend really loud and later on in the day, you kind of got a scratchy voice, like you, you were smoking yeah. cigarettes or, you know, screaming on the top of your lungs. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you think self-publishing is a saturated market? Absolutely not. There's so much room. Anybody that says things are saturated, that's their way of saying, I don't want to put in the work. Mm. It, it really is. If this bald headed, uh, um, I was trying to find a nice self-deprecating term, but let's just go ahead and insert in. Yeah, this this bald-headed idiot can be able to top fitness books. All right. I was at the top of the charts, top thousand in all of all of Amazon, the top thousands to be exact. That's then great. I think anybody else that's listening to this can do the same, but it requires a ton of hard work. It, it requires some passion and perseverance. Sometimes it's not hard when or it's it's really hard when you don't see the success that you're looking for. But if you uh -huh. keep pushing forward, you're going to definitely break through that whole saturation myth. Um, there's no saturation. It's just a willingness to work and put it in. And do you think there's a point when an author should give up in self-publishing? Mm, that's, that's so tough. It depends on where you are in your life. You know, I think I even shared with you guys early on, my, my path, I was ready to give up. I'm glad I didn't because I was literally just two feet from gold, just digging and digging and digging. And finally, boom, I hit it. So you're going to know personally when it's time to give up, but have enough faith and confidence in yourself to bet in your bet on yourself and stick with it. And if you lose that bet, that's okay. Keep trying keep trying. I don't think anybody should ever give up, but in the same instance, don't put yourself into a compromising position where you're going to regret it. I had reached out to actually somebody reached out to me. It was uh, a retiree. She had become recently widowed. She had taken all of her widow pension and invested it into her first book. Very first book. We're talking 10, tens of thousands of dollars into this first book. She lost it all. Oh. And uh. it was a it was a very scary lesson in things. And my heart goes out to her because she put herself into a position now that she's kind of stuck. She's like, what do I do? And I'm like, well, first of all, A, don't spend tens of thousands of dollars on something that you may or may not be able to afford to lose. So that's going to be the thing is. Don't give up, but also be realistic about things. Don't invest mm -hmm. so much in it and be so blind to the situation that you end up putting yourself into a predicament that you're having right. to panhandle on a corner. Yeah, right. right. Um, I've heard in order to find an audience and excite future readers, it's really important to have a large social media presence. What are your thoughts on that? Nope. Don't need it. You know, nope. it's a good thing to have. Uh, this is coming from a guy that's spread out <laughs> through everywhere, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all this type yeah. of stuff. But I've got a number of peers that don't even touch social media at all. It's kind of like the icing on the cake, though. That cake's going to taste so much better. It's going to be coming out so more people are going to want it when you can get yourself a bit more accessible. I think you, we were talking about accessibility before we even got onto the podcast here. Making yourself accessible is going to get it to where you're more discoverable and get it to where people know what you're all about and knowing that, oh, well, this person writes a book. 
So is social media a necessity? No, but I would recommend you try to at least use one avenue. One avenue, stick to it. It could be Twitter. It could be Facebook. It could be Reddit. It could be YouTube. Yeah, YouTube's still social media, by the way, folks. It, a podcast is def- technically not a you know social media, but podcast is just another way. Get it to where you're more accessible beyond just your book. Because if you're just relying on your book to do things, it's going to make life a little harder. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. On that note, our guest today on Late Boomers has been Dale L. Roberts, self-publishing expert and best-selling author. Dale, where can people reach you? It's super simple. Selfpublishingwithdale.com. And if you don't remember selfpublishingwithdale.com, you can always go to dalelroberts.com. That's actually my author website. Excellent. Great. Thank you. And we want to remind our listeners to follow us on Instagram at I am Kathy Worthington and at I am Mary Elkins and at Late Boomers. We want to inspire you to live your best life, no matter what phase of life you are in. Thanks again, Dale. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. for joining us on Late Boomers, the podcast that is your guide to creating a third act with style, power, and impact. Please visit our website and get in touch with us at lateboomers.biz. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Late Boomers, go to ewnpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact. Calling all speakers. E-Women Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? (laughs) I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So, here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details.
Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.